Welcome to Oops! All Monsters, the deadly unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia, that weirdo with me, when I can get him to stop teleporting dogs back and forth across the room is Gavin. And this weirdo with me, wearing a bra on his head, is Hess. <laughs> I specifically know what that is, because yeah. uh, I'm always Anthony Michael Hall. Well, I'm te- <laughs> teenage Anthony Michael Hall, anyway. Yeah. Um, so, different. welcome everybody to episode two of Spooky Season. Are Woo. you digging it i hope everybody is digging their spooky season i know i was double digging gavin's previous topic on the headless horseman um so we are oops all monsters and we are here to as we always are delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology film literature tv as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond. On a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop unknown to the other presenter and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you, dear readers. Um, Brief reminder, our Instagram at oopsallmonsters has the various imagery that we might refer to, particularly in our describing section at the end of the show. So if you want to see what we're looking at, go over there to Instagram. And then after we do the intro, we jump over to our hit, hit, hit segment. Villainous vocabulary. Villainous vocabulary. So I have brought one. We're going to have to switch this up so the person whose episode is not doing it. But today I have one if you don't want to do it, Gavin. I've got yeah, one. go ahead. Go. Okay, so to today's vocabulary is titty nope. <laughs> titty nope. Uh, you spell no titty freaking nope. way. <laughs> yes, you can Google it. T-I-T-T-Y-N-O-P-E. Noun. A titty nope is a small quantity of anything left over, whether a few beans on a dinner plate or the dregs at the bottom of a cup. Um, (laughs) In a sentence, the example on this one is, the waiter says, sometimes I wonder if we could put our titty nopes to better use. And then the sommelier says, we could plate the titty nopes on the compost heap and put the beverage titty nopes together to make a cocktail. And then the waiter says, quite. So yes, a titty nope is just little leftover bits of something. I often have a titty nope. I, it's just inevitable. Yeah. Given that it's hard to use all of anything unless you're really, really, really trying hard. So there you go. Bang orang. Um, titty nope. And <laughs> let me get us into the story that is going to get us into today's episode. It's not very long. 
Imagine it's the late 70s or early ladies. It's hard to tell with this much cocaine floating around. You're attending a fancy, decadent party at an uptown studio apartment, the kind of place with a conversation pit and a tray that gets passed around with joints on it, and models in swishy pants dance to terrible music and spill champagne, but nobody worries that much about it. You're hoping to get a glimpse of the author, the star of tonight's event, a tall, dark, moody type, kind of built like a praying mantis with thick brunette hair, bad posture, and bulging eyes. You find him, finally, in a corner, trapped like an insect, battering through various points on his book. It's a real revelation, the stuff he's working on. He's Jeff Goldblum, and he won't shut up. Uh, mm, mm -hmm, this is a really powerful um, knowledge we're unlocking. I mean... Ah, uh, look at this girl, for instance. You you won't be offended if I call you a girl, will you? Ah, excellent. See, the thing is, we're really on the uh, precipice of something. Precipice means edge, if you didn't know. And suddenly he's struck with something and runs out of the party. You chase after him out onto the street and he's arguing with people about something. His friends, maybe? They're turning a corner and you're going to lose them when you almost bump into a kid on the street. Wait, is that a kid? No, it's a... It's a dog with a human face! Fuck, it's another dog with a human face! It's still Body Snatchers. It's Body Snatchers number two. Body was, Snatchers uh, two? It was... Uh, it's still Body Snatchers. I, I, did a, I did a little bit of a juke, juke fake out there to get the uh, defensive lineman off of my tail, but it is still Body Snatchers. It's still Body um, Snatchers. <laughs> Not the fly? <laughs> no, no. I used Jeff Goldblum there because Jeff Goldblum is both in the 1978 Body Snatchers and he is a, an author in the, in both cases. So I, yeah. uh, I I figured you probably knew I was doing Body Snatchers again, but I thought I might be able to uh, give you a little... No, I didn't know you, that that's what it would be today. Yeah, I uh, I thought I could give you... I could get, get you off my... Off my set. That got me. If, if I, I got you a little, if I went a little bit, um, yeah, if I went a little bit Cronenberg at the front. Yeah, I was waiting to say the fly. And well, then I, I, and uh, then I uh, couldn't wait to uh, <laughs> try my gold bloom out. Yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, just look at the quality of this uh, fabric. It is yeah. wow. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> it's like it's like, his whole persona. If you do an impression of him, is like a really creepy grandfather, except that he's tra he's trapped in such a charming person that yeah. you, it doesn't bother you. But his persona yeah, is really yeah, like Jeff Goldblum doesn't bother me. But his <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's really odd of what he's saying with all yes. of that. <laughs> <laughs> he describes anything sensual. Yes. Like he'll he'll pick up his pencil to write on a piece of paper and go, uh, Bic. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> fine product. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If he wanted to yeah, if he wanted to retire and just have a massive YouTube channel, he could just have an assistant follow him around Target as he just like looked at things. <laughs> I uh, swear. Power Rangers, that's still a thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. So we are, I'm going to, because I, I didn't, I didn't want to lose the, I didn't want to lose track of Body Snatchers. I wanted to get the hell out of it. 
because uh, it is really it really starts to consume your mind when you start uh, thinking body snatchers all the time. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. I have consumed three more properties for today's episode. The 1978 Invasion of the Body Snatchers starring Donald Sutherland and Veronica Cartwright and Brooke Adams, as well as some other individuals, including Jeff Goldblum and Leonard Nimoy. It is a real star-studded cast, that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then and then, secondly, I took these in chronological order. I watched um, 1999's The Faculty, uh, <laughs> which, which was Oh, man, just, uh, yeah. I forgot to watch The Faculty. Well, we'll see what you remember, <sighs> because... Well, I mean, I wanted to watch it for, like, my own head, because I, <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to know whether or not if it was one of those 90s music video movies, you know, where it just plays, like, six or seven popular songs at that at time and just shows, like, montages to them. Um, it sure, you know, it certainly crams in those songs to get those um, soundtrack dollars. You yeah. know what I mean? There's certainly some songs that get about, you know, like 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 Big Empty is crammed into The Crow for about six yeah. seconds. And you're like, well, OK, you can technically say this was in this movie, but yeah. um, you just did that to get it on the damn soundtrack uh, yeah. so you could have a soundtrack that you could sell, even though you're still not going to include three of the songs because you can't get the rights. Anyway, that shit always in- infuriates me. They, in the, for, <laughs> for the for the for the uh, the kiddos at home don't know what we're talking about. And then, particularly in the 1990s, a lot of Hollywood movies would um, pair up with a music label, a music label, right, and yeah. collaborate on the, the the new hot popular music that would also be in the movie. And then you were selling two products, not one product. That if the movie was yeah. really good. Bam, you've got a, a hit soundtrack in addition to a hit uh, movie. So people buy, buy the video cassette and then they also buy the tape or the CD. Yeah. It, um, and what better for, for stabbing Westward's rebellious fans <laughs> to associate their music with than like a body snatcher teacher movie? <laughs> yeah. About how terrible st- their high school teachers are and they're really aliens. And when that song came up, I definitely went, what is this weird sad bastard shit? And I looked it up and was like, oh, yeah, it was real sad bastard shit. It was yeah, Stabbing it was the Westward. the saddest bastardest shit. It was not even a song <laughs> that I, it wasn't, it wasn't even a Stabbing Westward song that I knew. It wasn't one of the main label songs. I think maybe it was made like <laughs> off of an EP or for the album. Anyway, we're going to get off of this I, before I we probably. alienate every single other human person in the world. Um but um, seconds of it. there's some okay. There's some there's some okay. So there's there's like a good offspring song, and I can't think of anything else worth <laughs> listening to on that soundtrack. But uh, to get to to get us lined up, let's let's go chronologically. Cause I'm gonna we're gonna have to bang through these because if I do half an hour on each one, this episode's gonna be uh, nine hours long. So rewinding the uh, tape all the way back to 1978, the Donald Sutherland version. Starring him and Brooke Adams and a few other people. By the way, did you know the woman who plays the woman Brooke Adams who plays the um, the the female lead in the movie is actually Tony Shalhoub's wife? Is uh, she oh yeah, yeah. He's, she's married to Tony Shalhoub. She's she's very huh. she's very good in this movie. 
Um, I didn't do the math, but she's got to be a, a chunk older than him too. But very interesting person. Yeah, Brooke I Adams. I, no, I haven't I haven't about. seen her in a lot of stuff, but she's good. But anyway, Don, Donald Sutherland portrays a San Francisco health inspector instead of a uh, a medical MD who um, is confronted by his friend, played by Brooke Adams, who suddenly. Get gets the body snatcheritis. Suddenly, does not believe that somebody is somebody. I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. And then um, things devolve from there, and the coterie, the coterie of individuals that get pulled into it, are Jeff Goldblum uh, and Veronica Cartwright. Play a couple. Um, still called the Belichicks, who own a, um, like a bathhouse in the middle of Chicago, but not, or Chicago, in the middle of San Francisco, but not that kind of bathhouse you would imagine. Just a mundane, sweaty old Ukrainian man bathhouse where they got like mud saunas and things. The main differences of this movie are, one, it's extremely nihilistic. This one's very dark and it's very ugly. And things go very poorly. And two, the overall making of the movie, the visual aspects and sonic aspects give you the impression of it's very wet. And if you watch if you watch the movie again, I recommend it. I all I can that's the the one word that really gets you there. It's so fucking wet. And and it's kind of and I don't mean that like as a joke, it kind of relates to Everything is being depicted in this, like, a very, like, juicy, drippy, unnerving, throbbing fashion that's very intentional. From the, the mud baths that the Belichicks have to water dripping off of the plants that are visually described as being these space monsters that turn into these pods. The pods themselves are these glistening gibbering humanoid uh, things that are birthed out of these big, like, half-human-sized cocoons. Like, a flower comes out, and then the center of the flower throbs and gooshes out this, like, pod person, half-formed fetus thing. It's all very... It's all very veiny and thick and 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 overwrought. <laughs> it's really gross. I mean, grossness is really it's intentional and it's very well developed in the film. Um, and that's it's the the defining aesthetic element of the movie. Gavin, do you remember any other elements specifically about this movie from the seventies? Anything come away from you other than the um, oh, Donald Sutherland pointing and screaming? a lot of earth tone and brown clothes. Yeah, yeah. It's um I'm this is not going to be the only time I ever say this on the show, but it is about as 70s as you can possibly imagine. Yeah. There's so many leather trench coats and wide lapels and herringbone suit coats and avocado carpets. It is it is it is 70s to the max. Um it is yeah. wildly 70s, but in a way that is actually pretty satisfying you know every it's it's got some of that late mid uh late mid-century kind of like well-constructed stuff everything feels very you can tell nothing's gonna break (laughs) you know other than uh, like it's it's very it's a very heavy reliable world that they're in i don't want to get to the crux of 
because I've 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 kind of made it a conclusion about why now that I've done six of these properties, Jesus, that the, you really can observe something about all of them in aggregate. But this movie is mostly the most fatalistic. That if uh, and double triple monster spoilers here. If you have not watched this movie, stop. And I'm going to say that for all three of these. Go watch all the Invasion of the Body Snatchers movies. Go watch The Faculty and go watch um, the third movie. The eh, maybe not. You don't actually don't have to watch the Invasion from 2007 with Nicole Kidman because it kind of blows. <laughs> but um, yeah. the other two, wretched slugs. The Faculty and Invasion 78. Go watch those. But anyway, this one ends super nihilistically where you think that um, Dr. Bennell or Health Inspector Bennell has has escaped. It follows him through a scene that he's still play acting as a pod person. And then in the most famous scene, uh, Veronica Cartwright tries to approach him so that they can, you know, scheme to escape. And he turns and screams to indicate to all the other podlings that she is uh, she's still a real human being. And yeah. it, it just basically there it is. It could not be bleaker. It the 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 camera literally zooms into the his gaping black maw, and that's how the movie ends. His terrible yeah. terrible scream. So total fatalism in that version, and it's. It's well made, it's well shot, it's well acted, it's full of good people, and it's fun to watch, and it's very upsetting. So, I, just in terms of enjoying it, 10 out of 10. And then The Faculty is really a horse of a different color. Cut to uh, 21 years later, in 1999. What's up, millennials? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Elijah Wood leads a gang of misfits at this high school who begin to suspect that the faculty read, led the faculty led by Robert Patrick, who is the kind of bellicose football coach, and uh, the other staff, including um, what's her name, who was Lilith from Frasier, who's always really horny and everything. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, Baby, Baby Newworth. Yes, Baby Newworth is. There's yeah. some. There's a. There's a lot of things where she's just like always like a crazy thirst machine, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because she's like such a slight porcelain doll of a person. Anyway. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> This is obviously a ploy to get yourself out of the ridiculous situation you're in. And the answer is yes, my steed, yes. I, I mean, I'm not hating on it. It's just usually, it's yeah. different casting, but she's often cast for just like horny AF, which is cool with me. It is just odd that that through line is so common in her <laughs> stuff. But I love her. She's fantastic. From wherever, who knows... This alien life form shows up, and in this movie, it's kind of like a little, like, water critter. It's it's some kind of space critter that is made out of, like, crappy <laughs> 90s X-Files-style CGI with, like, tendrils yeah. that flashes around the water and can give off microbial, microbial versions of itself and get into you and turn you into kind of, like, uh, a kind of a thingy kind of monster with, like, you know, little tendrils zooming around in your under your skin, right? And yeah. uh, and for some reason, the the big thing about these pod people, and there's no pods in this movie, but we're just gonna, for simplicity's sake, call every, everybody pod people. 
is yeah. is transmit. It's like you get thirsty as hell when you become one of them. And in this case, I mean like literally, you're just like chugging water all day because it's like a water based yeah. being, and they have a hydration problem and blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> think that that would be like a really a really big detriment to advancing your civilization to space travel is that you need five gallons of water every fucking second. I mean, I was really <laughs> complaining about it because I, there are certain ways that I actually really like this movie. And then there, there, this movie is very <laughs> asymmetrical, but I was like, you know, if you're going to have a plot device and it's not already war of the worlds or something that's already using water, it's like, don't fucking use yeah. water. Like using water, water is <laughs> yeah. so it's like, Oh man, these adults sure are drinking a crazy amount of water. That's super weird, right? I'm like, no, it's not a good conspiracy. Uh, it doesn't. It's <laughs> it's not even symbolic of anything. I mean, you can make water water symbolic. It can be one of the most symbolic things ever, but it doesn't. It just doesn't hook on anything in this film. We gotta call the university. Let them take a look. Maybe even get in on some of that federal grant money. Our secret. Anyway, Robert Patrick and the other potted up. Uh, faculty get turned one by one and the kids including Elijah Wood basically as this like nerdy kid who gets bullied crash and burn Casey and Josh Hartnett as like the cool fucked up hair druggo Scott my own recipe guaranteed to jack you up and um, Laura Harris who some will recognize as the uh, baby faced uh character from Dead Like Me. I'm Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson. I really love what you've done with your nose ring. It really brings out the color in your eyes. From, is she in The Craft? She's like all of the... Leah Duvall. No, she is not. She looks like everybody from The Craft crammed into one character. But Leah Duvall playing the disaffected not-lesbian goth. And um, also, I don't want to forget that Usher is in this movie, but he gets like... He gets nothing. Like, I'll get back on that later. But I thought, like, I remember <laughs> when they came back, back up in the credits, I was like, oh, yeah, Usher's going to be in this. Not really. Don't worry about it. Yes. Jordana Brewster plays the the um, hot editor of the school newspaper. Oh, yeah. Selma Hayek's in there as the nurse, by the way. Yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, but who am I forgetting? Oh, yeah. And shot Sean Hattussey. Sean Hattussey. I don't know. Plays the quarterback who, like. Gets too smart to be the quarterback. It doesn't really make sense why he does, but anyway, that rounds out your like I your kind of breakfast club of of misfits who learn about this conspiracy to turn the whole school and then the world into a devious little water monster pod people, and yeah. uh, they bring this uh, weird little creature that they find to. The cool teacher, Josh, or John Stewart, the cool teacher, John Stewart, who um, is going to send this weird little monster off to a, a big university to solve the big case. So he's the only one that's on their side. And then, of course, like all of the um, the hopefully magical Jewish intellectuals in all of these movies, he gets turned into a pod person. The thing I found yesterday, where is it? I sent it to the university. It, it, it's double extra sad, which is a weird thing in these movies. Is basically <laughs> don't, don't they cut his head off? Uh, in near, I think they bash his skull in. Oh yeah, they do cut his head off because it goes like flying around. Yeah. 
Famke Jansen's head gets definitely get like like thrown off by um, Josh Hartnett, <laughs> and then it, it starts like walking away, all the thing style. And for as many yeah. quotes as they literally take from the thing in this movie. Um, I really thought that he was going to say, you got to be fucking kidding me. But I, you know, they didn't, they didn't hit that note, but her head like literally grows (laughs) tentacles and starts marching away on its own. It's amazing. Aliens are taking over the fucking school. Ultimately, this movie is, you know, the 1978 movie is we are all, this is all imploding. We're done. We're the last humans. We lose in what, in a way it's very simple in its terribleness. They come from a dying world. This movie is really, the faculty is really a generational and social comment that, you know, the, the breakfast club of the millennials have to save us, save us from, they have to save us from older generations and the status quo. They drift through the universe. And it's, it's hammered in through such plot devices as the the antidote ends up being Josh Hartnett's Drugos character's drugs that he hides inside of like big pens that you snort that are just yeah. uh, quote unquote what's in it mostly caffeine some other household shit is uh, is what what that involves so literally <laughs> snorting literally snorting drugs is how you solve this problem it was supposed to be i think it was supposed to be crystal meth but they didn't want to say crystal meth well there's a lot of ways in in which this movie is pulling punches to be an acceptable movie to sell yeah. to yeah, to high schoolers really really PG-13, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> I looked it up. I did not realize this. Elijah Wood is, like, exactly our age. He was, he and yeah. and he, so he was actually the right age to star in this movie. He was actually portraying an actual teenager as opposed to a lot of these characters. <laughs> yeah. Josh Hartnett's, like, uh, three or so years older than a lot of them, but he's just very good at looking young. But uh, the point is that the faculty is... It is kind of a ham-fisted, the weirdos are going to save us, right? And then it turns out yeah. that that two of those weirdos are secret traitors, um, and both of them are girls. The The Laura Harris character ends up being, uh, quadruple spoilers here, the big, bad, terrible queen uh, water monster thing who gets to transform in this fairly interesting CGI monster scene where she's in the water and she's this really just colossal tentacle beast. And um, the uh, the yearbook editor character who was never should have been in the group anyway because she was like a hot chick and dating the quarterback. Like she's also an evil like spy for the pod people. And unfortunately, the other female character, the goth girl, is trolling everybody by pretending to be a lesbian to get them off of her back socially, which is like, wait a second. Okay, well, that really wouldn't matter in and of itself if that was just what that character was. But it means that all three of the female characters are at least lying about them, their identity. And two of them are space alien traitors. It's not a really a good look. Yeah, well, I I didn't like it when it came out. Like a lot of it, I got lost in, um, or not lost in, but like just lost because I remember being in the theater and thinking, 
um, like, when's the ass kicking going to start? Because I, I kind of wanted it to be like a Rampage movie, like a nerd Rampage movie. I thought yeah. that's what it was going to be. Yeah, sure. But it wasn't. No. It was just a bunch of, like, pen cracking and drug talking and, like. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very, um, it's got many shades of kind of Buffy the Vampire Slayer of, of getting. Th- yeah. A lot of scenes of, t- of talking about who's the bad guy, but, you know, like, yeah. that do- yeah. doesn't pay off in a giant, awesome, like, monster scene like the thing. But, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't hate this movie. It, it is, in certain areas, very strong, and in certain areas, very weak. There are areas like how all of the female characters sucked, where it's very weak. There are areas where, just logically, it doesn't really follow through, where it's kind of weak. Um, but the script, it does follow at a pace that kind of makes sense. It's full of good actors. There are some interesting and hilarious surprises. But the message of the, mu- the, the, message of the movie is really confusing. Nobody cares what anything's about. If you, ta- if you yeah. lose the denouement, then it almost has a real message, which is that the boomers are going to conspire to destroy the world and we the the new the new pepsi generation can um prevent that from happening by doing a series of things to not behave like them but the series of things that's depicted by the film is how to like not be like the boomers and instead to be a cool awesome millennial is a very weird set of things weirdly the things that get depicted as the things that you have to kill in order to become a cool millennial that can save us from the great boomer water monster conspiracy are you got to kill football you got to kill sobriety and dare you've got to kill conformity You've got to kill traditional masculinity. You've got to kill the establishment man, of course, in, including cops and, and rescue and whatnot. You oddly have to kill sexuality because all of the depictions of sexuality are negative uh, pursuits that are only engaged in by the pod people boomers. None of the ki- none of the high schoolers are allowed to have a normal sensual or sexual or romantic experience that has anything even in the vicinity of like a normal vibe that is not created by an evil space alien that then tries to like turn you into a pod person turn you into a pod person or rip your face off or whatever all of the horniest characters are pod people bb newworth's character famke jansen does this very obvious turn from like uptight nervous librarian type to like total sex pot and all of the sexuality is depicted as a terrible idea it's a good thing we don't have any of that right millennials I'm not going out of my way to depict this as a generational thing in this film. Like, this film is very clearly the young students versus all of the adults. You know, you have a little bit of disambiguation by the fact that Jon Stewart is probably a Gen Xer, I guess. But yeah, that's, well, that's what I, I thought, too, when I saw the movie, is all of these teachers are extraordinarily young. And they're not really fighting any, like, old-timey 
crotchety people. The mo- the most that they fight with is John Stewart and Famke Jansen. Like they don't they don't fight with Patrick Stewart that much or Robert Patrick. Yeah, well, it's kind of there's kind of a. I mean, there's a natural um, gr- spectrum of different age teachers. I mean, Robert Patrick's going to Robert yeah. Patrick's an older guy. Piper Laurie is fairly older. Salma Hayek is going to be closer to John Stewart's age. Famke Jansen's uh, closer to John Stewart's yeah. age. But there's very specifically a break where all of the millennial students are good and all of the adults are bad. And yeah. specifically, all of yeah. the adults are definitely of another generation, even if it's just Gen X. You know what I mean? Even if it's just yeah. five years yeah. older. But it is, whether they intended it or not, very specifically a generational comment that they're making in this. That, like, you're... the. You're you're weird and you're an outsider and you're a millennial. You don't do things the way that old bad people do, and and yeah. I, it, it's it's hard to say how much of that was like intentional in terms of the the authorship of the film, but that's what you get. And unfortunately, like some of our other versions, specifically the 1956 version, there is a denouement conclusion at the end of the faculty where. Um, basically the whole, the whole unifying premise of the kind of millennial breakfast club of this movie is robbed of its most potent ingredient, which is like the, the cool kid ends up getting, uh, you know, like recognition and popularity or the, the nerd kid by played by Elijah Wood. He, he's like on the cover of time and. People are hounding him from the press. The press is hounding him at the school, and now he's like a cool, popular guy. And essentially, they go through person by person to explain how all all that was weird is cool again. And you know, the the druggo kid played by Josh Hartnett is now on the football team because he's got a change of heart, even though he's smoking on the field. And it's got this very yeah. like. What? Wait a second. What was the lesson of this? Because it seemed to be that the lesson was that the alienation and otherness that these kids had to following along and marching in time and being on the football team and doing what you're supposed to do was what saved them from the scary baddies. And then when all of that's resolved, you say like, ah, yeah, but never mind. JK, JK, you better definitely join the football team and conform. So the, the basically yeah. the only message that the movie had was totally bankrupted in the last like sequence. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I remember that too. I, I always remember whenever like uh, the outcast kids at the end of the movie, are like, it's okay because now people accept me. Not only do they accept me, but I'm fucking King now. And like, that's, that's in a lot of movies and all of the teachers heads get, put back on and they're fine (laughs) (laughs) that is a very good point yeah even the head even the headless fucking uh teachers get reassembled and it's like no big deal yeah (laughs) in my opinion the faculty actually makes a little bit of sense if you do what people say to do about the 1956 invasion movie which is cut off the last piece that makes no fucking sense and pulls all of the actual <laughs> potency out of what the story was about. I didn't research this specifically, but I would not be surprised if, like Invasion, the faculty had to add that for palatability or perceived palatability by a broader audience. Yeah. And another thing about bankrupting the, a film that essentially becomes about otherness 
is you had like Usher is in this movie and then there are no fucking yeah. <laughs> minorities in the actual gang of kids who star in the movie and solve the problem. If you add, make a script yeah, that that's was... about otherness, you had a chance to have an LGBTQ yeah. person in the goth girl who was originally lying about being a lesbian. And then you pull that rug out from under you. Like, okay, so she's just another white chick. And then you have a character that you think is going to be in the movie in Usher, and he's barely in it at all after the first, like, 15 minutes. And you're like, well... Yeah, they were... All, by 1998, it was definitely already established that the diverse protagonist team... Uh, is is a yeah, thing. and it was yeah. It's like that. That was that was established way before ninety eight, which is also off putting by the movie. Like yeah, I, sure. I, I I just remember not liking it. Now I I'm remembering more and more from the theater experience. And there are also <laughs> shitty and cynical ways to have like a rainbow coalition of of you know different kids of different orientations and colors. But, the, you know, what you have is a, a, supposed to be a representation of otherhood. And instead you have literally six white cis kids uh, who are just kind of like have shitty attitudes. And, and it's it's it, and <laughs> in one of the many ways that this movie is kind of breakfast clubby, except not in a good way. Everybody's boringly white. And you, you think at least you're going to have Usher in there. But no, no such luck. They drift through the universe. <laughs> the faculty, it is, it's entertaining. It's paced fairly well. It's got, it, but it's really uh, a 19, end, end of the 90s popcorn movie that succeeds in a couple of minor areas, primarily in casting people that you want to see get into these situations. But it completely undermines its own premise uh, in the last sequence of the movie. And it does a halting job of actually communicating any single idea about anything. So, so yeah. there's the faculty. <laughs> we can get we can get back into it after I cover everything, but I gotta get through these. Pushed on by the solar winds. And then finally is a movie I hope you haven't seen because I also didn't realize that anybody had ever seen this movie. 2007's The Invasion, starring Nicole yes, Kidman. I have seen the. Invasion. You have seen it. Yeah. Oh, because yes. I had not even fucking heard of it. Uh, as far as I was aware, until I started doing this topic, I had no idea that it existed. It 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 wasn't advertised very well, and then it sizzled out because of obvious. Well, reasons. it's not very good. It's not very it, good. No, it's not good. It's just about Nicole Kidman not sleeping. Yeah, it really from <laughs> almost from jump. I mean, maybe starting five minutes into the movie. It starts to show the fact that it is not going to take the elements of the original book or the 1956 movie and use them in an intelligent way. And it's unfortunate because yeah. they have some ingredients there that could be really good. But essentially, someone was obviously motivated to make a very specific political comment about the Bush era, which, of course, we were in uh, the middle of at that time, and yeah. that they're either anti-fascism or anti-communism or something. Um, if you look at it now, there there's a lot of oddly prescient stuff about vaccines and pod disease being described as a super flu that is overtaking the world yeah. in a matter of days, and what what work can be done to combat it? They adapt and they survive. 
if the entire movie was not vacuous and limp-wristed and totally unsatisfying in every way, those kind of like coincidental observations about things that we're going through now would be like, wow, kind of fucking fascinating. Instead, the most interesting things in the movie are, you know, if you get into the first two minutes, um, you get to see Nicole Kidman chug half a uh, half a two liter of Mountain Dew to chase down a bunch of pills in the middle of like a pharmacy. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, that's why is that not a gift that I've ever seen? Because it's, it's so odd. The function of all life is survival. I don't even think they put two two liters in the cooler like that, but whatever, this is fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna get a little bit more efficient with uh, the invasion because it sucks. Daniel Craig is kind of lazy in it, probably because the script is stupid, doesn't make any sense. Um, Nicole Kidman yeah. is doing what another reviewer uh, described as the one of the main things she does, which is look pensive. And the drama is primarily yeah. created by the um, the double plot device of her son, who, in addition to being main character's child, who is trying to escape the the potification of the of the world from deep space, is also fortunately a kind of a MacGuffin where it, they determine through some science gobbledygook that he may also lead to a, a, a vaccine because he has, through a weird chickenpox ordeal, become uh, immune to the potification. So if they can just just uh, escape him out of there, um, St Stephen Wright, yeah. the super scientist, will be able to create a vaccine that, shock and awe, um, saves the world. Sleep. The seed is planted. The movie is really... Uh, it's bad in that it's not fun to watch, like, in any in, in any <laughs> single way. You know, like, I could try to get really, like, yeah, Siskel and Ebert on you, but it's just... The, the the acting is pale, the tension is non-existent, this, the timing is trash, and everybody's doing a pretty half-assed job at just about everything in this movie. I'm trying to think of, of a performance in this that I really like. I'm like, yeah, Stephen Wright is playing a great Stephen Wright character. That's because he's fucking phenomenal. Stephen Wright is he's, he's basically Wright, playing, yeah. <laughs> he's basically auditioning for Westworld. It's almost the exact same character, except with less, like, gravity. Um, but it's almost the same performance except with you know le less horrible introspective drama and like glasses taking offing what was that what the fuck are they talking about in this movie for the most part i don't know uh, but i will tell you having consumed all of these in sequence that each one of these movies will literally say exactly what it's trying to tell you out loud out of the mouths of one of the characters um the like uh, ex-husband character who's one of the early potified uh, baddies, he says at one point when they're confronting Nicole Kidman, all you have to do is nothing. You're like, they mean about the presidency and the government and stuff. And you're like, oh, I get it now. It's about the government yeah. and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> also symbolically, this film makes a big deal about, in addition to having to get the, like, uh, z zombie pod puke in your face that you have to get the like weird pod creature vomit or microbes into you through some method or, an or, or another. Terror grows. You also then have to fall asleep and go through your REM cycle, which is like a, yeah. which is a, a plot device that a, it's a story structure 
that really in another movie would have a potential to be like, oh, cool, I get it. It means something. It's they're altering your actual dreams, man. Like your aspirations have been changed by the monster and corrupted. But in the vessel of this film, it is completely limp-dicked and uh, useless. There is, there it does, it does not, it does not tentacle out to grasp onto any broader idea. But you want there to be an idea yeah. there. It just totally fails. You blew it up! Uh, damn you! This movie ultimately is trying to say some shit about. Don't be politically weak and give up and make sure that you're engaged and don't let the world go to shit because the Bushes are bad and the CIA is evil or something. I don't know. Uh, and I don't disagree with the fact that the Bushes are bad and the CIA is evil. That's not my point. The point is your movie sucked and you did a bad job saying whatever you were trying to say and it didn't make any sense. So <laughs> like you were preaching to the choir and you still fucked it up. So um, it, yeah. it's, like, just... Don't watch this movie. Do watch literally every other thing that I've talked about in these body, body snatcher categories. Don't watch this one. It's not worth your time. Yeah. About Invasion, I remember that um, I had to watch it twice because I went to sleep in the middle of it <laughs> and I wasn't tired. It was another you movie You didn't wake where up as a It was about sleep. Monster? Yeah. It was about sleep and how you couldn't sleep and that made me <laughs> sleepy because that tension just doesn't do it for me. That's so mm -hmm. stupid. And, it, <laughs> and so I fell asleep and I woke up and I... Nicole Kidman's like hugging her son and the credits are rolling and I'm like, okay, I got, I forgot. I didn't see what mm. happened. So I watched it again and then didn't remember it and haven't thought about it in 12 mm -hmm. years. <laughs> yeah. I will agree that the, I can't fall asleep mechanism in movies is really, I will say that I really don't like it. And that six and that succeeds yeah. in the night in a, in the nightmare on Elm street movies. Like, not liking yeah. it is so, it is, for lack of a better term, synergistic with the other extremely upsetting elements of a good Nightmare on Elm Street movie, that not liking it works. But then in a movie, you're just like, okay, lady, just fucking save your goddamn son or not. It just makes me, it just means yeah. that the scenes are slow and frustrating because you have to watch an actor pretend to not fall asleep over and over again, which is like bad action yeah. most of the time. It's just not fun. It's like watching yeah. a, a movie about a writer kind of to come up with ideas. I'm like, I get it. You're not an actual creative person You're and you're just sitting there like mashing your fists into your face, like pantomiming what it's like if this happens. You know, it's like Pretending yeah. to be drunk, like acting drunk is very hard. Acting sleepy is very hard. Yeah. And they're, they're also usually boring unless you do them very well. And this movie, she might have yeah. been doing okay, but the, it just didn't, it just didn't go very well. well also, I, I don't understand how, um, in, in the can't sleep things, there's always something like incredibly important to do yes and i and i think like well then it's easy not to fucking <laughs> sleep isn't it <laughs> yeah i also dislike it because you know in the um in the original content in the finney book and then the 1956 movie they're staying up for like a day and a half two days and they're like running through the countryside you know, and, you know, say yeah. what you will about the greatest generation is, but they could they could physically power through things. You know, they were it was really hard for them yeah. to stay awake in in the plot of, of this movie. She's just staying up late, like 
I think one night, I don't know, I shouldn't say that because I'm probably going to get it wrong, but it just doesn't seem like it should be that hard. I'm like, have you ever been a college freshman? Just try harder. Yeah. And and she drugs, yeah. and, and she's, a, <laughs> she's a psych doctor, and she still drugs the shit out of herself and still passes out like half an hour later. I'm like, you're apparently bad at your job. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, if I was a psych doctor, I'm pretty sure I could go into a pharmacy and pick out things to keep me up at least one fucking night. I mean, it's not it's not rocket science yeah. trying to find the ones that are uppers. <laughs> like you might you might sh- you might yeah, shit yeah. yourself a couple of times, but if the downside is the end of the world because you get like sucked up by alien pod people, I think you can you can make that you know sacrifice. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome. One of the reasons this movie failed is because this uh, it was directed well primarily. By the guy who was riding high off of that um, Hitler bunker meme generation machine downfall, the German director Oliver oh. Hirschbiegel. Um, and I think that people assumed that he was kind of a golden goose and there was no way he could fail. And, uh, well, they were yeah. fucking wrong. Um, because yeah. I would, it's just... Who knows if it was the script? I don't want to throw this guy under the bus. Maybe uh, Oliver Hirschbiegel is uh, is otherwise kick-ass and other things. I have not watched uh, a lot of his other stuff. But, um, you know, uh, the Downfall movie about Hitler is good. This is bad. You know, and sometimes you just make a bad movie because har- movies are hard to make. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it that. Yeah. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. I want to get off of Invasion because that's about as much screen time as it deserves and basically take the whole plate rather than just the uh, the entrees and the sides individually. But before we do that, let's slide out off into the apothecary for some for some messages and then we will be back with uh with uh, a larger view on the whole topic. H A double L O Hi there. My name is Douglas Raffensperger, and I'm a CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and cheeses for a relaxing snack, and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy-dandy, short-handled, half-guarded navel sword, that's what. Here at Douglas's Colors, we've got every possible colors for every conceivable scenario. Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a colors for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a colors for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a colors for that. Some people say to me, but Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle-quality 27-inch half-guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well-crafted naval sword. So let's get swashbuckling. No matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield iron-forged cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raffensperger of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabby with me. 
please go to paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. I'd like to get into basically like what does it all mean now that I have what now that I've downloaded mean? all six of these pieces of media what can I observe about them in a super meta analysis Oh jeez um so they they all say different things there there are odd commonalities between even actually all six of these there's they're, they will use certain superficial elements, like having the Belichicks be characters, uh, other than the faculty. Um, all of them will have kind of these stereotypical intellectual Jews slash Jeffrey Wrights who will um, save the day or not. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Wright is the only one that actually succeeds in saving the day. You know, here's the thing is I really hate the conclusion. You don't have to be sorry. It wasn't your fault. Hate is a strong word. I'm really distasteful of the conclusion that I got <laughs> to about what the pod people are based off of all all of this that I've downloaded in pursuit of understanding this topic. I absolutely did not know. What, I didn't know, one, if there was going to be, like, something that felt like one answer. I didn't know if it was going to be the case at all, because I thought, more than likely, the, these disjointed films made in different decades by different people with different goals could not possibly indicate one overall thing. So I was surprised that I actually came to a conclusion that was like, oh, it's at their in a way, they're all talking about this. I didn't think it was... I didn't actually think it was going to get there. Particularly when I decided to include the faculty and invasion from 2007, I thought, well, these are going to be, I you know, so far off of the chart compared to these earlier films and the book that it's just... It's not going to have one, like, cogent thought at all. You know, and that would make sense. It would make sense for it not to. But I... Uh, begrudgingly discovered I think that they do say one thing to a certain extent um, as you are um, uh, apt to troll me about that if you made a super Venn diagram of all these movies the one thing <laughs> right in the middle would be this one yeah. thing and I didn't want it to be this thing because this thing already gets enough attention and should be left alone to do its own thing. But do you have any idea what my observation might be about what all of these movies ended up being about if you had to say it was about one thing? Do you have any clue? I'm Jeff Goldblum. And Hi, hello. My name is Jeff Goldblum. Hi, I'm Jeff Goldblum. Uh, my name is Jeff Goldblum. Uh, my name is Jeff Goldblum. Oh, my name is Jeff Goldblum. This is, this is not a pop quiz, Hotshot. I'm just wondering... Conformity. <sighs> you know, conformity's in there. Right? Um, and it's in there from different yeah. angles. Like, uh, it is, um, you know, it, and it's, it's odd when a, a 1950s film is anti-conformity, and that's certainly a flavor in the 1956 invasion, 
where it is yeah. a lot of it is inspired by the cookie cutter nature of suburban America in the in the middle of the fifties. That is certainly an a, there is certainly yeah. an aspect of conformity, and then even all the way into ninety nine with the faculty, you know uh, the the characters are rebellious. The characters are the others, but. Um, their rebelliousness and their otherness is it, it is it is it is the essential thing that theoretically allows them to survive and conformity is not really at the center of either the 1978 movie or the 2007 movie the 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 1978 film it's it can, if you're trying to find a through line, um, is either the most indicative or the least indicative because it's so specific. It's so simple. Like the world is ending, all is terrible. We've lost, and that was one of the main ingredients that actually like led me down the path after seeing, uh, after seeing the faculty that are like, oh shit, um, and. You're going to understand why I hate this conclusion after I reveal it to you. But ultimately, I the thing is, I, I don't want to talk about it, which is why I'm doing this great long foreplay of not revealing it. It's not like I think it's really dramatic. <laughs> it's, not like the, it's not like I think all of this drama is actually satisfying. The reason is because it's it's fucking boomers is the answer. <laughs> Uh, according to according to all of the uh, according yeah. to all of these movies, the problem is boomers. Um, if you take all of them as one super, <laughs> if the pro, if you take it as one super story, I I in the first yeah. episode, I indicated that one of the only possible meta analyses of the 1956 film and book. If they were to be an allegory for something, which they aren't, they're not a super clean analog. They're not a super clean analogy or allegory for one thing. Um, neither of them is definitely not politically. But before I had watched these three movies that I watched for today, I said one of the com more compelling like puzzle pieces that would be close to fitting if you just nibbled a little a bit of edge off of it would be a generational anxiety that the the way that the original book and and black and white film are anxious what they're anxious about is the decay of the moral the moral and ethical vigor of the american people and the human race that the that finally the the martians are are defeated the aliens are defeated because um, uh, red-blooded Americans or human beings are just too vicious and strong and red-blooded and that in a way our viciousness has a a natural immunity from being poisoned by this this outside force invasion of the body snatchers oh oh good morning hi 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 I'm Chef Goldblum. And that a lot of the movie is is minor comments on people just not keeping up with the Joneses, of just generalized entropy and decay. And 
but the the film and the movie are both largely ignorant of the existence of children whatsoever, as I referred to in the previous episode. Um, and I had no indication that I was going to come to this conclusion when I was making that episode. But if you if you make that <laughs> as a possible direction to go, and you take the 1978 movie, which is a boomer movie about boomers for boomers, uh, the thing about that movie is that movie is saying it's the end of the world as you know it, right? Like it is, <laughs> it is the most nihilistic view because from the perspective of the pods, the whole business has been achieved or failed that like really the whole thing is them, which is the boomeriest thing in the world to say, which is I am the, the entirety of reality. The whole world begins and ends with me. I am the Alpha and Omega, and the story beyond me does not exist. And that is the fatalism of the 1978 movie. But the contradiction of that is, I like that movie the most. It's my most, it's the best movie. So, and that is the <laughs> painfully infuriating juxtaposition of mid-20th century culture and the generation of boomers themselves, is they created a lot of hilarious and amazing and awesome and prescient shit that's fascinating and incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These people are driving me nuts. Anyway, got to the end too quickly. The point is, if you then, you go like, <laughs> uh, Hess, we've lost you. Okay, but if you move on to the faculty and suddenly you're, you're living this movie from the perspective of the millennials, the, not exactly the next generation, but they're they're ushered in by John Stewart and Famke Jansen and the other Generation X characters who just are too easily poisoned by previous generations to survive not being part of the establishment, quote unquote, the adults, the system, yeah. and only the kids will save us. Are the kids all right? Um, the ones that are really high on drugs and disaffected are apparently all right enough to consume caffeine pills as opposed to water and realize that all of the adults are full of shit and they should not be trusted. I sent it to the university. You know, like in basically all of these movies, there is always the, the patriarchal character who is reassuring for the first half of the film and then becomes... The, the scary monster who is the ultimate betrayal in the second half. And, and he is that. He went, he went off and did something, okay. and he did send it to a university, but there's a little bit of vagueness there. But you, your memory is correct, basically. Okay. It's got no detail, no character. It's unformed. But ultimately, the, the point is, you know, you, the, the funny thing is it does not take an incredible amount of shoehorning to, to go to the 1956 invasion and the original book and see it from the perspective of the greatest generation looking at generational anxiety into the future at their kids or just the future and its anxieties in general, which if they ever paid fucking attention to their children would be about the boomers. And then the boomers are obsessed <laughs> with themselves and the world ending because their generation is no longer relevant. And then when you get to the faculty, the faculty are also looking at the fucking boomers. And it's the bookends are too. They're too definite. And it's not as if all of these writers and directors got together and had a fucking clubhouse meeting 
to indicate this to me. I was not looking for this to be the fucking goddamn overall meta point. I don't like it, and I don't <laughs> like talking about it. But he makes great sounds. <laughs> yeah. I already have a bad rap in my family about harping on um, generational crap too much. So I don't need my podcast to like <laughs> give the BLT a bacon layer on top of this where I'm like, well, you made even your show about how boomers are <laughs> wrecking everything. And I'm like, sometimes the elephant well, is yeah. the elephant and it's not your fault to call it an elephant. Great. I wish I had his capacity. He screams up a storm. He's got a powerful everything. Then he goes, oh, eh, eh. he makes very scary. I, this is the second conversation I've had where that's the conclusion today. What was without <laughs> revealing too many factors about the other people involved? What was the other conversation? Uh, was talking with somebody and I um, brought up how uh, we were the observers of history because we we are like people who yeah. are 40 right now uh, because we saw the Cold War. We saw 9-11 in the aftermath. We saw um, the media uh, join together onto the internet it, to become one giant connected thing. And, um, and, then, and then I said, and what have we done with all of this? <laughs> Nothing. And then the person I was talking to said, well, that's because the dinosaurs and corpses are still in charge. <laughs> and this was a medical professional. Okay. <laughs> well... Um, there is the incredibly mean and cynical takeoff on that problem that, and, and, and good for that medical professional for relating to you in a real and accessible fashion. Yeah. And, and it's, it's actually, yeah. <laughs> despite how often I do it, it's not actually my desire to just be a punching bag on the, the, that to the, on the boomers. I don't, I don't, I really don't go out of my way to do it. They, they're putting themselves in front of my fists a lot of the time. And because like, I will say like so much of the stuff that we're going to consume on this show is going to be like fucking John Carpenter movies and James Cameron movies and yeah. things starring Sigourney yeah. Weaver. You know, like I'm not, I'm not anti the whole yes. generation. They create amazing things. They did amazing stuff, but also what 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 that conversation you were having it's not it's not coming out of nowhere and 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 here's the here's a, a major thing for me that i think is actually you know quote unquote making news is the part that everybody needs to get on which is related to seeing our generation or micro generation as the witnesses of history. So we need to stop being the witnesses of history. Yeah. We, uh, the, the world, yeah. probably not the world, but specifically America, at least because of our orientation toward the history that we're having yeah. is having a crisis of imagination, which is very ironic given how much work yes. we put into imaginating all over the fucking place. How dude. And because yeah. we have the the bowel movement of the boomer generation is taking up so much of our fucking attention that we all pay attention to things culturally as if it's 1980 goddamn three, as opposed to thinking about 2055. Yeah. We should all be thinking about 2055 and 2079 and 2111. We should all be thinking about fucking Star Trek kind of problems and stop thinking about 1950s style problems. Our crisis of imagination yes. is that th this incredible 
weight of attention and interest and economic movement and cash solidarity and wealth and real estate and every fucking thing that you have to pay attention to because capitalism is is magnetized toward this one colossal generation. Unfortunately, there is a way to see culture like that. Not so much to be pejorative about the aging parents that we have. That's not the point. Take care of your damn parents. Separately, though, that massive weight, even just culturally, is dragging on the imagination of the world. And it's probably different in other places because here we are experiencing the generational shifts in a way that's completely different than the rest of the world because we did not have to... Oh, yeah. This is, we this didn't is have to trim our belts <laughs> during World War II. We did not get bombed to hell. We did not have to get lean and mean and tight like Japan or Germany or any of the Axis powers or any of the other places in the world that just got fucking blown yeah. to hell. That we just got bigger and nastier and meaner and learned that one lesson. How do you win? Bigger, nastier, meaner. How do you succeed? Bigger, nastier, meaner. And that's... <laughs> bigger, nastier, meaner. And <laughs> that's not yeah. the right lesson in the long term but unfortunately it is the lesson generationally that we are all reckoning with even with the the sixth graders that i'm seeing on a daily basis they're dealing with the ramifications of the non-stop bigger nastier meaner mentality of the united states of america and that is created by generational bullshit which apparently is being commented by every person making a piece of media related to invasion of the body snatchers. And I didn't do it. It's not my fault. Don't blame the messenger. The great Oz has spoken. Now you understand why I was reluctant to get to this point, because I actually didn't want to talk about it. I wanted it to be something else. Yeah. Well, I'll, here, let me help then. Let me help then. <laughs> um, the faculty body snatcher monster was stupid. It did. It really, it really was. <laughs> And we don't, I think, I don't think we have to stretch our anuses too wide to convince the audience that we like water monsters and we can, and and squiggly little (laughs) parasites to get in you and turn you into something else. So, you know, we should have, this show should have, you know, been so easy to convince by that monster. You know what I mean? It's got it's it's yeah. kind of like John Carpenter's The Thing, where you don't know who's who. Yeah, it's a squiggly it's little even fucking thing. Like the thing. Yeah, it's yeah. a squiggly little, little guy that gets just, into your face. They didn't do it. No, it sucked. Didn't do it very well. It looked bad. It sucked. It the was situations stupid. were not compelling. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't scary. The the scariest body snatcher to me, I think, is where you don't learn how it happens. But like, but then you could see side effects from it, like um, mortally wounding a podoid yeah. and it recovering. I, 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 like I, that would be really terrifying. I, I have to, I do have to say that in the two, the two versions that are most compelling, as someone that has like consumed all of this recently, are the 1956 version and the 1978 version. There's something about the nebulousness, as you're describing, of the the 56 yeah. version, where like there's it's almost a kind of magic. There's a there's a physical aspect there where there's an object, but the object is kind of like symbolically trading spaces with you. But there's a physical thing there, but it's 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 yeah. amorphous and wispy and unknowable. And that and yeah. that by analogy really does fit the 
the symbolic problem of the 1950s the 1950s media of that it, it is it's a problem that they don't completely understand and if they completely understand it it's actually it actually doesn't make as much sense or it actually doesn't get you to where they mean for it to get you and then by contrast yeah. the next version the 78 version is it's very literalized there there are in addition to also having pods, it shows the business of this pod that like squirts out this like greasy adult fetus and then it rides and they and they hit every little point of, you know, the Jeff Goldblum one. It opens its eyes and then he gets a nosebleed and it gets it gets a nosebleed. My side's nosebleed. And it very like yeah. step by step walks you through certain aspects of it, which is used to heighten the tension of of determining exactly what's going on. But in a way that version matched that movie because that movie was about being wet and greasy. Like it was an, it was an out in and out burger laying in the middle of a street of a movie where everything was just bleh, gushy and visceral and everything just felt like a, a pancreas in a jar. It was just ever, it made sense for that movie. And then, you know, in a way, the, the even the fir- the faculty version, even though it sucks, it makes sense in a way because the media that we got of what was being sold to the 18-year-olds that we were at that time was it was a combination of very scary but then always a really pulled punch. Always a, it was a Buffy the Vampire Slayer, not a Lost Boys kind of thing. Where you're like, what? Yeah, yeah, just give them, give them the weak, lazy CGI monster. It'll be scary enough. Where we we yeah. want to get as many teenagers yeah. asses in these seats as we can. So it's not actually going to yeah. be scary. <laughs> it's going to be scary esque. And and yeah. it was a it was a it's really a older people con- making the media for younger people assuming eh this will be fine and of course it was the CG the early CGI era so there were tons of elements yeah. that th- could have been better and just <laughs> were not and it it dovetails into the fact that the movie is just not nearly as scary as a movie where you can you can take Rob Botton's yeah. um, revolutionary but also like clunky and ridiculous effects from the thing and go like i can see all sorts of defects with that but it fucking kills and it's it's also that it's part of the john carpenter film but it you know there there you just you just need some you know some juice and we're gonna you know i know that we're gonna rail against cgi versus um, practical and analog a million times well, on the show, yeah. so we don't have to like beat that no drum. Context, we don't have to yeah. beat that drum to <laughs> death right now. I'm not totally <laughs> anti CGI. I just think that is it's rarely the case where if you make anything 100% CGI that it's going to get you where you need it to be. Um, but yeah. there are clever ways to use it. I mean, fucking Spielberg got Jurassic Park right with a combination in the early goddamn yeah. 90s. Yeah, and, that, that was perfect. And orcs and trolls were perfect. Uh, yeah, well, and uh, generally, I think what you need is a a very um, successful marriage between the two. And generally, yeah. when so, when production starts leaning on CGI, they start leaning more and more and more. Particularly, if you're going to do that marriage, the thing is, you have to know who's the bride and who's the groom at the beginning, and have that and yeah. have that practical aspect there from pre-production and all the way through production it has to be ready to be connected and married with the cgi aspect and instead what you have is 
a lot of people just trying to save money or being lazy and be like, it'll all look good later on. And that just generally never yeah. works. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. Real bullets. These movies and and the 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 concept of pod people is it's a it's messy and fascinating. I wanted it to be about something more esoteric um, and less yeah. specific than one like generational through line. I hope that that the I hope that the media survives the um, abuse that it took in the Nicole Kidman movie, and that there is an iteration of it that comes out in one, two, five, <laughs> ten years that reflects the the generational things that we're experiencing that we don't even know that we're experiencing right now. Yeah. And if Usher is in the movie, then he gets more than like three fucking lines. <laughs> That's one of the most infuriating things. That I, you know, I've brought it up already, but like you made a movie about otherness and inclusion and then failed to make it inclusive or other in any real, real aspect. Yeah. Yeah, and and um, Laura Harris is dangerously underrated. She needs to be in more stuff. I don't really know her from anything other than Dead Like Me and this, but she's really well. That's all you need to know her from. She isn't really in anything else. I I I I hope it's not. Um, I hope it's I hope it's obvious. I genuinely did not want it, this to did did not want the I generational now, observation to like, be my conclusion. Yeah. I, I, I don't like talking about the generational thing either because, like, so many problems are just rich and poor. It's not generational. It's not racial. It's not anything else. It's not sexual. It's it's rich and poor, which create most of the problems that I personally fucking <laughs> run into. Like, the generation things, I tried to avoid it at all costs. But you're right about the body snatchers. <laughs> okay. That's, it's 100% about the <laughs> I. <laughs> I I swear I had no clue until I until I genu I genuinely made that whole first episode and and it was really like you know the, 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 those two yeah. pieces of media I said like you know if this is about something the cleanest version is it's generational but even then I wasn't thinking yeah with this but what I mean about that is it's going to be about the boomers I that was a complete that actually totally um, you know it totally hit me like a train. It, it really surprised me. It came out of fucking nowhere. Um, watching yeah. the faculty because, you know, I, I, I honestly yeah. thought I was, I watched the 78 movie and I'm like, okay, I got, you know, I had, I was really prepped to just analyze all three movies and say, there's no through line here. There are, there are aspects that are common to all of them. Each of them is saying something different. Some of them succeed. Some of them fail. I didn't think that there was actually going to be a, a place that it took me. So I swear I didn't have an agenda. <laughs> I swear I didn't. <sighs> All right. Well, I'll tell you, nobody handles garbage better than we do. I'm, I am pleased at the discipline that we had with not just turning this directly into the thing. <laughs> yeah, well, there, there's a different, um, there's a different, section of the spreadsheet where you take this movie and where you take imposter movies and invasive imposter yeah. movies and it, it's it's faculty and the thing and a couple of other films you know um what is that invaders from mars is that movie from the 80s that i'm thinking of is that what it's called and um and uh with the with, yeah. the, with the zap yeah. in the back of the neck and um Pu Puppet yeah. Masters, uh, ironically, also with yeah. Donald Sutherland, 
and you and and it's yeah. a more that would be a more diversely populated topic. But um, I have no idea how to like turn that into a consumable episode or pair of episodes. So uh, maybe I'll I'll look <laughs> at you know I'm gonna try to not think about body snatchers for about a year. So I'll worry about that later. All right. Well, let's slide out of our main topic and get over to our. Um, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to not forget is. Our body snatchers, bitchin' van art. Is it? Is it? Is 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 it bitchin' van art? No. Nope, still not. Still <laughs> not. Um, not even from the faculty. Um, yeah. No, not at all. It, well, that was easy. Ta da! Yeah. Yeah, that is a pretty easy. After we do bitchin' van art, we slide over to our hit segment. From the describing series, our our second entry into describing the star rhymes. Here he is checking his phone and eating. <laughs> this is de- okay. So this photo, this is definitely a modern one. Um, I don't yeah. know what year, but yeah, he's got a he's got like a nice iPhone. Wow, uh, his, what is this? Is a hell of a this is a hell of a damn picture. I see why you picked yes. this one because there's a lot going on here. He, first of all, he's wearing like a cheetah yeah. print shirt. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's eating. This is oysters. This is a. He's got a. He's. You know, it's it's sure. iced. It looks expensive. Yeah, it's it's seafood. <laughs> it's seafood in an open here. shell. So I'm going to say this is like a fancy oysters plate. He's got some. He's got yeah. some pretty strong bling on. He's either pretending yeah. to be distracted looking at, her, at his at his phone or he's a person who just genuinely like lives his life and looks at his phone like every other human being on the face of the earth and somebody took his photo. <laughs> he's very <laughs> – if there was such a thing as like a stock or Getty Images Busta Rhymes photo, this would be it. Be like, yeah, this would be it. <laughs> for $117.99, you can have – Busta Rhymes pensively looks at an incoming text. It's very <laughs> chillax. It's 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 um, definitely a completely different vibe than you usually get from him when he's in other things. This is just a guy who's t- yeah. he's he looks like he's on break at a studio. Like he's like there's some kind of production going on, and he's just going through his texts, checking his email, checking his Insta. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it is too. Like um, he's probably doing a, a, a photo shoot or a, or a video or something, and he's on break and somebody interviewed him. <laughs> yeah, is he frequently wearing that big gold necklace? Like I, because it so, seems yeah. like I've seen that before. I'm probably wrong, but I think he had that on in the Shaft movie. Oh, okay. I. The new Shaft movie yeah. or the '90s Shaft movie? The '90s okay. Shaft. Man, movie. I have not seen Samuel that Jackson one in a while. No, he's usually just he's just a big necklace guy. Seems to. Seems oh to, yeah, it's just any. This necklace. is how, based off of general thickness and tattooage, which is hard to tell. In this, how, how old do you think this this one is? Because his his neck is still you know it's not oh. encompassing his whole body, so he seems he's not a he man yeah, figure I yet. I would put this. Maybe five to eight years ago. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I love that he's kind of got, this is kind of like the Busta Rhymes woman of like, um, woman smiling, eating salad dot JPEG. Yeah. Buster yeah. relaxing, eating oysters dot GIF. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this has been describing, this has been describing, describing Buster. Did you just pull a cassette out of something? What the fuck was that sound? It's uh yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gotta get my Van Halen tapes organized. I do, I do. <laughs> Fucking boomer <laughs> bullshit. Alright. Um And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. And if you'd be so kind as to tell a friend, or support us even by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes, that really does help. I'm not sure how. I have a Twitch channel... Uh, where I play video games, mostly Battletech-related stuff, which isn't monsters, but that's okay. There's a link uh, in the thing. Share an episode on your favorite social media if it is not currently being hacked, and hit up our Instagram for the images that go <laughs> along with each episode. And then comment on the Instagram. Uh, comment on... Uh, what we're doing, how well we're doing, what you think, what monsters you want to mm -hmm. see, uh, suggest monsters, send us role-playing game stories, monster stories, Halloween stories even, at oopsallmonsters at gmail.com, and we'll do something yeah. with that. And if you want to toss a coin into the potion fund, hit us up with a one-shot contribution at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters, or if you're feeling really froggy, sign up at patreon.com slash Oops, all monsters. Lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song. Her work as part of the duo The Darling Kathleen's can be found on YouTube at The Darling Kathleen's. So with that, I have been Hess. And I have been Gavin. Or <laughs> and we have been Oops. All Oops. monsters. All Oops, monsters. all gold blooms. Halloween. Spooky season. Gold bloom. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs>I'm Jeff Goldblum. Hi, uh, my name is Jeff Goldblum. Hi, I'm Jeff Goldblum. Uh, my name is Jeff Goldblum. Uh, my name is Jeff Goldblum. Oh, my name is Jeff Goldblum. I'm Jeff Goldblum. Hi, uh, my name is Jeff Goldblum. Hi, I'm Jeff Goldblum. Uh, my name is Jeff Goldblum. Uh, my name is Jeff Goldblum. Oh, my name is Jeff Goldblum. I'm Jeff Goldblum. Hi, uh, my name is Jeff Goldblum. Hi, I'm Jeff Goldblum. Uh, my name is Jeff Goldblum. Uh, my name is Jeff Goldblum. Oh, my name is Jeff Goldblum. I'm Jeff Goldblum. Hi, Jeff Goldblum. Hi, I'm Jeff Goldblum. My name is Jeff Goldblum. My name is Jeff Goldblum. My name is Jeff Goldblum. I'm Jeff Goldblum. My name is Jeff Goldblum. Hi, I'm Jeff Goldblum. My name is Jeff Goldblum. Spooky, scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul, seal your doom tonight. Scary skeletons
punch You'll shake and shudder in surprise When you hear these zombies shriek We're so sorry skeletons You're so misunderstood You won't 